You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us once again today is John Pullman, Ducks Limited Magazine and Ducks.org contributor. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Chris. Great to be with you. I brought John on today and we were kind of discussing offline some different topics that we can talk about. And with John living right in the prairie pothole region, I thought it would be a good idea to bring John on to talk about, you know, freelancing in the prairie pothole region. That's North Dakota, South Dakota, Eastern Montana, um, even all the way up into Canada. You know, there's a lot of people that go up there and they try and freelance hunt and people and, and it became really popular. I, I don't know, John, 15 12, 15 years ago, you know, it really took off. And there's a lot of guys who go up there and do it. So, John, you know, let's get started with this. Like, let's just start out with early season. You know, as soon as that season opens in September, um, you know, what should guys be looking for? What should hunters be looking for when they get up there to the prairies? Sure. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, that freelancing is at the heart of my of my experience as a waterfall hunter. And I've been blessed to be able to, to really freelance for, you know, for the last 30 years since I uh, started duck hunting. And, um, you know, the beauty of being a freelance hunter is that it's, it's, it's all on you. You know, you're in charge of making the decisions and scouting and, and finding the birds and so on. And then the challenge of freelancing is that you are in charge, you know, of finding those <laughs> birds and, and whatever. And so, you know, early season, uh, early season on the PPR, um, you know, when I think about a season of freelancing on the prairie, um, I, my first, two things come to mind first, and that's one is the weather and, and how that weather during a particular season is going to impact bird behavior. And the second is the, is the, the progression of crop harvest and where we're at. Um, mm -hmm. so when I think about September, you know, um, obviously the weather can, can do different things, but typically you're talking about some mild conditions. You're talking about birds that are taking advantage of some really recently harvested, uh, food resources, be that small grains, um, silage, you know, corn that's been chopped for, uh, for food, for, for cattle, for, for forage. Um, you know, those are the two big ones that that come to mind and then of course that september gives way to october that opens up new doors for feed but you know so a september freelance hunt um that's a good place to start is to is to find those areas where you've got freshly harvested crops um you know those small grains that that are on the ground uh corn that's been chopped stuff like that uh you, you know you're gonna be looking at targeting you know um birds in the field, whether it's Canada geese, wood ducks, mallards that are going to be taking advantage of those things. Um, you know, like I say, the weather can, can change in a heartbeat. You can have uh, some freezing temps and even snow in September. Uh, but by and large, it's going to be pretty moderate. And so, uh, water resources are going to be, uh, um, uh, important during that time of the year as well. Uh, ducks and geese typically at that point of the year aren't using real huge bodies of water you know um uh, most of the water bodies are going to be are going to remain open throughout september and so small potholes and sloughs and and cattle ponds and um you know creeks things like that are going to be places where you're going to find those birds but 
September is a great time of the year. Early part of the year is a great time for, for folks to come up that, um, that don't want to have to battle the elements, that don't want to have to battle cold and snow and ice and those things. It's a good time of year to bring up kids. Uh, because of those conditions, they're a little bit easier to handle or maybe for an older hunter that, you know, doesn't want to have to bundle up in, in overalls and whatnot. Um, and so it's a, it's a good time of the year to come. Um, there are some challenges about early season though, freelancing on the PPR. Um, for one, uh, you know, migration by and large has not kicked into high gear. Uh, you know, so you're hunting mainly localized birds or localized populations. You get into Canada, obviously that's a different deal. You're, you know, you're probably dealing with a little, uh, a little bigger abundance of birds just because of the availability of, of, uh, breeding and nesting habitat up in Canada. Um, but you know, if you're up here in North Dakota, South Dakota, you know, you're going to be dealing with localized populations of Canada geese and, and ducks that were, that were hatched here on the prairie. And, um, you know, uh, so you're, you may not be dealing with really large numbers of birds. And so, uh, being realistic about uh, the types of situations that you're going to try to find. Um, you know, you may only be hunting a, a field with, you know, a thousand mallards rather than 10,000 later in the year, or maybe 250 honkers rather than 5,000 that you may find later in the, in the season. So, you know, being realistic about what you're going to encounter and experience up here. Um, and, uh, the big thing for me as a duck hunter, and I love to call is that early season, your calling, you know, for ducks is just not as effective as it is later in the season. Um, around mm-hmm. that, um, mid October, third week of October for me is when things, when you'll, when you'll see that duck calling really start to make a difference. And so, um, you know, because of that, then you are really going to want to pay attention to uh, or put a lot of emphasis and a lot of work into being on the X. Since I know I'm not going to be able to coerce those ducks into the, into my decoys with the call, I want to want to, I'm going to want to make sure that I'm exactly where um, they want to be and so that, you know, so that I don't have to lean on that calling so much. Um, you know, some other things that pop to mind about early season is that you're going to have a lot of varied uh, duck pop or very duck species, you know, uh, a September mm-hmm. hunt here in North Dakota or South Dakota, you could probably shoot seven or eight species, uh, blue wing teal, widgeon, gaddies, mallards, pintail, shovelers, um, you know, a handful of divers, any of that within a given day. And so that kind of adds to the experience as well, uh, for an early season, you know, September to, to early October type of hunt. Yeah. And, you know, this year, you know, is really in it and going to be a lot different than what you guys have experienced up there in the prairies in years past. And something that we talk, we've talked about a lot on the podcast, you know, in all of our communications is, is the drought conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lack of water throughout North Dakota and South Dakota this year, uh, is really going to change the game for a lot of freelancers. Um, you know, how are you taking the approach, um, with the, you know, kind of there's a lot i know what two years ago or even last year you dealt with there was too much water sure sure. Um, and so and so this year you're kind of going into it knowing that you're not going to have near as much water so how do you approach that yep so if i was somebody that was, that was coming up to the prairies this fall um i would certainly look at making some phone calls ahead of time whether to the you know your local game fish department uh landowner contacts that you may have had hunters that you know in the area try to get an idea put your finger on a little bit what our water conditions are like right now um, it is no exaggeration to say that we are, we are awfully dry. I mean, it, it is, it's, uh, it's been a really dry season. We've gotten enough rain to kind of keep some things green in certain parts of the, of the area, certain parts of the state, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota included. But overall, we're, we're, um, moisture conditions are just not great. And so if you can get an idea before you get up here, you know, what are water conditions like in the area that you typically hunt? Um, you know, Years where we've had a lot of moisture, 
and we've had high duck numbers because we've had, you know, abundant moisture on the prairies for breeding and, and nesting season. Um, those can some ways be hard seasons to, to hunt because birds have a lot of different places they can go and they can be spread out all, all over the landscape. And so I'm not going to say it's a benefit, but it certainly is maybe perhaps a silver lining that, um, when water conditions are lower, um, birds are going to be concentrated perhaps a little bit more than they normally would. And um, that means that if you find a roost holding some birds, chances are you're going to find, uh, you know, maybe a, um, a decent group of birds to work with. And so, but before you get up here, you know, try to find, try to find out those conditions like, and then be prepared that when you do come up that your, your hunting may be different. Um, you know, the, the, the wetlands that do have water this year tend to be your semi-permanents, your permanents, which are going to be deeper, bigger. Uh, and so you may be looking at needing to hunt out of a boat or, um, you know, being able to access, uh, access, uh, deeper water, um, with waders or, or whatever it may be. Um, and then also too, if, if you're hunting, uh, if you know, if there's a slough or something that has some water in it, uh, still the ducks are using that you may be dealing with, um, large exposed mud flats, you know, really void of any cover. And so layout blinds or an A-frame or something like that, being prepared to hunt that that mud flat in a way that's going to keep you uh, concealed. Um, there are ways to do it, you know, uh, when, when we've got conditions like this, but it does take a little bit of planning on the, on the front end. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I will point out is, you know, North Dakota survey results that came out um, early August into July, right around there, when they did the duck brood count, uh, you know, they're saying it's going to be a significant, you know, mm-hmm. decrease in the fall flight coming out of, uh, mm-hmm. North Dakota. I think their estimate was roughly 36% down from last year. Um, but their Canada goose numbers were yeah. still fairly strong. Um, is that something that do, do you have, you know, sometimes you take an approach like, man, if I can't find a good pothole or something to hunt, are you just transitioning to the geese? Like maybe looking for some fields that, you know, where you can target some candidates, something like that? Absolutely. You know, you got to take advantage of what you have in front of you. And, you know, I, I you know, my preferred, my preferred hunt is mallards over water. And that, that may just not happen a lot this year. Um, you know, and so, yeah, you got to take what you're given a little bit. You know, I will add, um, you know, I saw those numbers from the North Dakota Game and Fish. And um, this summer, uh, early summer, June, um, uh, even end of May into June, I saw a molt migration of non-breeding adults and juvenile Canada geese through eastern South Dakota, unlike anything I've seen in my 30 plus years of hunting up here. And, uh, so I, th- there are, I think there are some really good Canada goose numbers this year. Um, and it would not surprise me if, if, uh, that becomes a bread and butter type of hunt for a lot of, a lot of people this year, just because I think those numbers are there. Um, for about four weeks straight, it was a steady stream of, of, uh, birds moving, um, you know, through South Dakota, Eastern South Dakota up to their, um, the, the lakes, the body, water bodies where they're molting. Um, I'm not sure if people, if listeners understand that, but you know, you kind of have a, a main spring migration, you know, in March and April. And then there's a secondary wave, uh, later on where these, again, these, these non-breeding adult birds or, or birds that have, have, uh, failed, uh, nests or, uh, uh, juvenile birds that aren't nesting this year will move up to these water bodies. And it could be, a county north of me, or it could be up into, into Canada, but where they will go and molt, uh, for the summer. And, uh, it was a, it was a, an impressive number of Canada geese going north this spring. Wow. That's, that's pretty notable. I mean, that's something that, you know, we have, we don't really hear, hear a lot about, 
Um, but I think that's something to keep in mind when, uh, when guys are heading up there to, yep. to freelance up there. And you know, that's the great part about going up there too, is there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of public areas, I guess, but there's also, um, several different ways that you can, you know, access private ground as a freelancer, knocking on doors, making phone calls, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's still, uh, readily available up in that area. And, uh, you know, is there anything that any kind of tools or anything that you use to scout for some of these areas, you know, any apps or anything like that that you're using? You know, when it comes to getting permission, landing permission as a freelancer, um, you know, uh, a plat book, which is available through, uh, through the different counties, um, in North Dakota, South Dakota, um, you know, that lists, uh, a township and who owns the ground and their address and their phone number, that information obviously is invaluable. I mean, that is, it's a must have. Um, you can find, um, uh, I use Onyx a lot as, uh, as a way to find a landowner name. Um, you still have to do a little legwork to get the phone number and stuff like that, but that gives you a great starting point. Um, North Dakota this year has started an online um, posting, um, private land posting, uh, program, uh, in previous years, if, if private ground was not posted, uh, if there were, if you could not find a no hunting sign on a particular piece of ground in North Dakota, it was open. You wouldn't have to get permission. Uh, you could go and access that ground that has changed for North Dakota and that, um, uh, landowners can post that ground either through a physical sign on the perimeter, uh, or online. And the beauty about the online program in North Dakota starting this year is that um, landowners have the option of putting their contact information in there. It could just be that they yeah. want, they, it could just be that they want to know who is on their ground. Um, they don't mind having hunters out there, but they just want to make sure they know who is out there and they can kind of control the access. And so it will, the, the, the online program, and it's available through North Dakota Game and Fish. If you go to their website, you can find it. It'll list, like I said, the landowner has the option to put their name, uh, excuse me, put a phone number or an email address or a way to contact them. So, so, you know, tools like that, the plat books, Onyx, uh, you know, the online program, North Dakota Game Fish, that is a, those are huge tools to have. Um, you know, uh, it's, it is still possible to knock on doors and get permission to ground. I'm not going to lie. It is becoming a little more uh, difficult, um, even here in South Dakota, um, to do that. Um, it seems that it's, it's, but it's, it's something that is, you know, Odds are that you're still going to be able to to, to freelance and, and and kind of find your own way and knock on doors and get permission. Um, and the one way to keep that possible and going forward is that you know having hunters make sure that you you stop by and, and talk to the landowner afterward or or send them a thank you card or or offer some birds or you know doing something to let them know that you appreciate. Um, you know, appreciate what they've allowed you to do. Um, you know, closing the gates and, and, and following their rules. If they say you can go here, but yep. you can't go there, make sure you do it. Um, you know, not driving across there. If you, if it's really muddy conditions, not driving across the field in your truck and, and, you know, doing everything that you can to go above and beyond what's expected to make sure that we are all able to enjoy a freelance hunt here moving forward in the future. Not only, um, you know, just the tools that you use to, to find that property, but, you know, also just being respectful of yeah. the landowners there is, is really important for being able to, 
um, for that to continue. I mean, that it's obviously changed. And I'm sure you in at, at your age, you have seen that drastic change from pretty much open lands and being able yep. to knock on a neighbor's door to probably a lot of property being locked down to where people don't have access because one knucklehead hunter, uh, yep. you know, probably left trash or did something that, you know, was kind of disrespected the landowner and they just shut it down. So yeah. all hunters need to keep that in mind, especially, you know, at all times, but especially when they're, when they're freelancing up there in the prairie. <laughs> one more pet peeve while I got it, while I got the, uh, my soapbox here is that, uh, and this is a pet peeve from, from landowners that I've talked to, you know, during the harvest season in the fall, um, you know, it's quite often that you'll see landowners or, or guys that are renting the land or farming the ground that are out harvesting their combines or, you know, running the green carts or whatever. If you're trying to hunt a, pe- a particular piece of ground, do whatever you can to not make that combine stop. <laughs> you know, try to talk yeah. to somebody else and not make them, because um, that's a really busy time of the year for for farmers. And when they're on a mission and they're going and that combine and trying to get that crop off the field because weather is coming or whatever it may be, let them finish their job. Trying to find another way or get a cell phone number from maybe some guy that's sitting at the green card or something like that to talk to him. Um, but do what you can to not uh, to not stop them on that combine because chances are the odds are they're <laughs> they're probably going to say no. <laughs> yeah, if you make them work longer, they're probably going to tell you no. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that's, that's a good point. And that's something that, you know, maybe some people who don't have, didn't grow up in agricultural areas, uh, maybe they don't understand that, um, yeah. you know, stopping that combine can, is, is basically costing that guy money sometimes. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a very good point. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Point. Good point, John. You know, just speaking of some of the other tools that yeah. you kind of hit on it a little bit, but, um, you know, what are some of the, the must haves? You know, guys are traveling up there. They're loading the truck. What are some things that you recommend, you know, as the local up there? Like, <laughs> hey, man, you should probably bring this. Like, this is one of the most important things or what, you know, I'm sure there's several of them. Yeah. Honestly, the, one of the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, and they're expensive. Um, but they are, they are, they're worth their, they're worth their weight in gold some days is, uh, you know, some sort of a side by side UTV, ATV, a Ranger, uh, you know, John Deere Gator, something like that, that you can use to haul gear into a field or access a, a wetland, maybe in the middle of a crop field. You know, there's a lot of time where a landowner will say, you know, go ahead and go out, but I don't want trucks out in the field. Um, and you can mm-hmm. offer, would you mind if I'd, if I'd use my ATV, you know, we can hook a trailer up that way. And odds are, since that's something that they use frequently, that they're going to allow you to do that. And it is a lifesaver when it comes to accessing, you know, uh, um, a, uh, a staging pond that mallards are hitting before they hit the corn or the, or the wheat field. And it's in the, it's smack dab in the middle of a full section, you know, and in, in middle of, of a, a square mile. And you've got to lug your gear into that little pothole and you can't use your truck, but he'll let you use, uh, you know, the farmer will let you use your ATV to hook up your trail and take your gear out. It's just a godsend. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it saves so much time and energy. 
Um, that is something that I would definitely bring along. Um, you know, just being prepared, uh, for, for, for varying situations. Um, you know, you can do a lot of homework before you go. Um, but you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have if, if you, you think you're only going to primarily hunt fields, um, you know, it, it still doesn't hurt to have a water set up, even if it's small. Um, to have a, a, you know varying decoy styles in your in your trailer that you're bringing along, uh, same thing for your clothing. Just because the weather can change so much, you know you can predict quite a bit what the temperatures are going to be like and weather conditions, but you still never know how things could change. Um, mm-hmm. Binoculars for scouting or a spotting scope that you can mount on your on your truck window while you're out scouting. Um, that's a huge plus. Uh, so you can, uh, pinpoint the X, what those birds are doing. Um, I know folks that will, um, if they're traveling a long distance, they will bring a, a scouting vehicle, a, a, a specifically for scouting, a car or something that gets a little better gas mileage. Um, yeah. so that it's, and it's a little inconspicuous too. You know, you're, uh, when I see a, mm-hmm. a, a uh, uh, a truck pu- uh, with pulling an enclosed trailer down a gravel road while I'm out scouting. I know I've got some competition in the area, you know, uh, but if I see a little car or something like that, I can look past it and not really worry about it. So it's, it's, uh, it saves you gas mileage and then it maybe keeps the attention away from other hunters too when you're, when you're out scouting to have something like that along. Um, uh, those are the big ones that come to my mind. Um, you know, the, um, Having a way to, um, this is going to sound kind of silly, but keeping something in your trailer that you can use to mark the X in a field, you know, when you're freelancing, um, that, you know, after you watch the birds get out of the field and leave, that you can go out and whether it's, uh, you know, a utility marking flag that you, that they put in your yard when they were working on utilities or a five gallon bucket or something that you can throw down in the field to mark exactly where you want to go the next morning. You know, when you're hunting new territory, new country, you're not familiar with a field, being able to find that marker in the morning is going to save you a lot of time. Um, you know, and, and you know, then exactly that you're exactly where you need to be, uh, from your scouting the night before. Um, you know, those are, those are some things that, you know, kind of strange things maybe that come to mind, but, but, uh, those are things that I know that as a freelancer that I've come to count on over the years. Yeah, no, those are good. And you kind of hit on the layout blinds and, you know, potentially even like an A-frame or something like that. Um, you know, those are always good to have if, if you really, you know, if you're really going to be, you know, running and gunning freelance and you never know the conditions there. You may yeah. be in, you know, areas where there's very little vertical vegetation. Um, and you may have to be able to, you know, hide in the middle of nowhere. So, yep. uh, that's a good, that's a good, good point. Well, I was going to say, and if you're hunting too, Chris, late in the season, and even if the weather, the, the long-term forecast doesn't call for snow, it does not hurt. If you're, if you're going to be hunting toward the razor's edge, toward the, you know, toward the end of the, of the, uh, of the season, having some sort of snow cover, um, that you can put on a blind, um, cause those can, you know, New snow and, and those types of conditions are a great time to hunt up here on the prairies. Um, the birds are, are packing on the calories. They're hitting the fields to feed before they head south. And those snow covers, whether that's on an A-frame or a layout style blind, they absolutely make those blinds disappear. And it's a, there's probably, you know, no better way or no, you know, no better time to try to, you know, field hunt mallards or something like that than when there's some fresh snow on the ground and having those blinds, the, the snow covers are, they are the, um, just something I'd really recommend having along if you're gonna be hunting that time of the year yeah and you know just just, i'm just curious with with your hunting up there um are you do do you have better success in the early parts you know when there's a more abundant species around or um you know you still have a lot of bluing opportunities pretty early um but do you have just as good or better hunting you know later you know as as the snow does start falling i think it improves as the season goes on 
from the standpoint that I think migrating birds or birds that have moved into an area behave differently than birds that are that are local. It, they are more apt to decoy. They are more apt to listen and respond to the call. Um, you're dealing with, um, uh, and I know it sounds kind of strange, but as the season progresses, you know, you're dealing with birds that are in more of their their breeding plumage, their full plumage, they're prettier. <laughs> I mean, you know, early season yeah. you can get some scrappy brown ducks, and it's hard to tell the difference between uh, <laughs> a hen and a drake mallard and and stuff like that. And so, if you're looking for that yeah. quintessential, you know, green head mallard shoot later in the season is is the time to come. Um, you know, I prefer really from that third weekend of October on till the end of the year is kind of my favorite window to hunt uh, just for those very reasons. We're typically dealing with yeah. fresh bush of birds um, around that 25, 26, 27 of October. Um, and then from there on out, it's the migration, you know, when we get some weather to help push some birds out of Canada and North Dakota. And, and so it's, I prefer later in the season. Um, but the, the, the other side of that coin is that, things can change in a heartbeat. Um, you know, you can get a weather system to come in and it can, it can push birds out or it can just make hunting conditions absolutely, you know, really, really difficult. So that's the flip side yeah. of that situation. But yeah, late season is the time for me. Yeah. And one cool thing about the later in the season is you can get into that, uh, mixed season of waterfowl season and pheasant season, yes. which, I'm, which I'm, I know you partake in and one of your favorite things to do. So, uh, as the season, the duck season gets later, the pheasant hunting seems to pick up a little bit. And, uh, um, I know there's, I know a bunch of guys who go out there and do that. And that's a good opportunity for some freelancers as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that gives you another, another option too. If the, if the ducks aren't cooperating, um, you know, you get later in the season when the, when the, the pheasant hunting and upland bird hunting, you know, primarily pheasants, when the crops get out early in season, early October, Corn is still standing. Soybeans are still standing. It, it, um, the hunting can be really hard for pheasants until about the last hour, the golden hour of the day. When those crops are out, those birds don't have this, you know, they don't have those millions of acres of corn to hide in. And so they're, uh, they're forced to use more typical cover that's a little bit more huntable for, uh, for, for guys. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a great secondary activity. Uh, if you're going to freelance ducks up here and some days it's your primary activity when the birds aren't cooperating. No. And, and I got one more question for you before I let you go, but the, um, you know, the fall snow goose, um, as snows kind of pass through there, you know, are there a lot of guys taking advantage of that from a freelance perspective? Um, and if so, like how, how are they approaching that in the fall? Sure. You know, this is something that's, I mean, I'm sure it's probably in the last decade or so it's really become more popular. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there were so many guys that had invested or hunters, I should say, that had invested, you know, thousands of dollars in snow goose equipment for the spring season. And they're thinking, what do I do oh, with yeah. this stuff now in the fall? And so they started experimenting, I think, a little bit with, with these fall opportunities. Um, I know I know quite a few people that will travel to Canada. Uh, to freelance snows uh, because those birds are coming across the tree line out of the tundra. They're more vulnerable to decoying and more apt to decoy. Um, and so uh, it's something where uh, it's a little more unlike spring. It's a little bit more like they are, they are moving from, uh, you know, they will do a roost to a field type of a pattern and guys are going to try to target them that way in, in Canada, you know, you can use an e-collar. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, it's something that, uh, which obviously is a big aid. You get down in, into the U S side of the border and, and I don't believe you can use those in any States at this point during the fall. And, um, 
but they're still using kind of a, a targeting birds as they um, as they establish a roost to field type of a, a roost to feed type of a situation. You know, you get down further in the flyway. I know um, even guys down in your neck of the woods, down Arkansas, Mississippi, uh, folks are are hunting uh, snows before the conservation order season comes into into play, and um, it's something that. Uh, yeah, people are finding success maybe just within a, a travel, a migration corridor or, or a, a place where there's a lot of traffic. You know, it's kind of a numbers game. The more birds you can put over the top mm-hmm. of you, uh, the better the odds you are of, of, of decoying some birds. And so, um, you know, by the guys that I know that do it here in South Dakota, um, it is something that is a, uh, a passion. I mean, they love hunting snow geese just because of the thrill of seeing these big mobs of birds. Um, descend down on the decoys you know everything that's important in the spring is important in the fall in terms of concealment and and motion uh whether that's using flags or some sort of vortex a motorized motion decoy in the back of the decoy spread a lot of those same things are important during the fall um and i think that uh I think that it's sometimes too, it's a little bit easier in the fall to get permission. Um, you know, in, in where if you've got, you know, snow geese that are attacking winter wheat that's already, uh, that's already emerged, you've got landowners or farmers that want to get those birds off of it. Uh, and so you're, yeah. you're able to get some permission that way too. But it's, um, you know, full body decoys, layout blinds, motion. It's a lot of it is the same in the fall as it is in the spring, but you're, you're targeting those birds like you would almost can to geese or ducks from a roost to a feed type of a situation. Yeah. Kind of looking for that X rather than looking for for that flight line, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Yeah. And, and really, like, like you said, I think that's a good opportunity for freelancers. Um, uh, if they're struggling with the, with ducks or something, or even a potential lack of water, yep. um, which could be an issue this year, uh, you know, the opportunities for, uh, and to get access to, to fields that, you know, maybe be being, you know, destroyed by a big flock of snows. Yep. Um, that's a, that's a good opportunity for freelancers this year and something to keep in mind where you can shoot some snows. Uh, but now I think, I think those are all great tips for the prairies. And, uh, you know, if there's anything else you can think of before I get you out of here as our, as our resident prairie pothole region hunter and, and specialist up there, is there anything else you might want to remind someone who's getting ready to hop in the truck and head north? You know, it's, it's uh, I think the, one of the, honestly, the biggest thing that comes to my mind is, again, it goes back to the relationships with the landowners and that the only way that mm-hmm. something like this stays viable and stays an option for us is that we have to do what we can to make sure we show our appreciation for the ability to, to scout and set up for and, and enjoy a hunt that is all under your control. And, and it's something that, um, you know, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and, but it's, it's so enjoyable and so worthwhile when everything comes together. And it wouldn't be able to happen if you didn't have landowners that were willing to say, go ahead, you know, go ahead and hunt those birds the next day or whatever it may be. And it's, it's, uh, so making sure that you, Thank them, be courteous to them, follow their rules. Um, and don't be free to drop off a note, even in the off season, send a, send a card with a, with a picture on the back, you know, with a note on the back, you know, maybe from the hunt and just as a reminder that you were there and, and that you appreciated the opportunity and all of that effort can, uh, is, 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 is time well invested in my book. But if you haven't been up here to the prairies to freelance, I would certainly recommend it. Um, you know, you can certainly lean on, you know, folks like me or, 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 uh, you know, folks from the, uh, from the different game fish departments to kind of help point you in the right direction. Um, it's uh, it's a great way to spend uh, 
a uh, few days up here on the prairies in October, November, or even September. And like I say, if you haven't done it before, I certainly encourage you to try it. That's awesome, John. And that's why I like you, the honesty here, because, <laughs> you know, all the, all the guys in Arkansas are telling everybody, stay out, there's no ducks. And you're, invi- and you're inviting everybody up to the prairies. Come on up. There's plenty of places to go. Well, ducks everywhere. I don't know about that, but no. Yeah, no, I mean, no, it's, just kidding. I know, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, uh, it is. This is a special place. I mean, the, the prairies are a special place, and I feel blessed to be able to live up here. And, you know, if there's, I've made some really, really good friends uh, from out of state over the years that have come up here that I've been able to meet and, and people that I count as dear friends. And heck, one of them probably you listen to this podcast right now. And, and so it, this is a special place. And, uh, you know, it's something I'm sure willing to, to help share and, and help, uh, help them enjoy. Don't ask me for my spots, but I'll certainly, I'll certainly help point you in the right direction. I'll go give you some tips, but I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. Now, that's great, John. I appreciate it. It's been a good conversation, and I hope uh, anybody who's planning on heading up to the prairies, you know, take some of these um, good tips that you've provided and, and really, really take them to heart, especially the landowner relationship deal. I think that's a big, yep. a big thing for all hunters, no matter, it doesn't matter if you're in the prairies or not, anywhere anywhere throughout the country and even Canada, you know, just remember that that landowner relationship is, is really important and, and something that really needs to be, um, you know, stressed to yeah. anyone uh, that that's visiting an area. So exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. You bet. All right, John, this has been great. I'm going to get you out of here, uh, but I appreciate you coming on the show. It's awesome. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be with you. I'd like to thank my guest, John Pullman, Ducks Unlimited Magazine and Ducks Outdoor contributor for enlightening all of us on the joys of hunting the prairies. And, you know, just some good tips and some real, real good knowledge to uh, for anyone who's go heading up to the prairies this fall. I'd like to thank our producer, Clay Baird, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us in the DU Podcast and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.